we have a treat this morning. We have another guest preacher uh, after Dave last week. We've got uh, Martin Richard, who is my dad. Uh, so I'm excited to welcome him this morning. Let's do that and uh, uh, go for it. Hello. Hello. Great to see you up here. Go for it and whatever the Lord wants to do. So glad you can preach this morning. <laughs> is this on? It is now. Okay. It's closer to my nose, so I hope I don't make some <laughs> funny noises. So you've been very patient this morning. And now some of you are thinking, boy, we've got to listen to this guy for another hour and a half. But that's okay. Um, this message is... Siri's even talking to me. <laughs> Siri's even upset that I'm up here. Be quiet, Siri. Uh, I can assure you that this message has been pruned several times from its original, um, original size. But just before we get into that, this week, for those who don't know, this week just gone... Uh, we celebrated 19 years of ministry at the Healing Rooms. Yeah, I think it's worth... Uh, and, and when we set out uh, 19 years ago, we didn't know what the future would look like. And here we are 19 years later, and we've seen the Lord heal hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people. We've seen him transform lives. We've seen him do all manner of things that were beyond our expectation. And he hasn't told us to do anything else, so we're going to keep doing what he has told us to do and he asked us to do until he tells us to do something else. But we truly believe the best is yet to come. You saw on the screen there our winter appeal. Uh, I want to just say very briefly, because you've heard about it for the last few weeks, uh, we're five days away from the end of the financial year, which for some of you doesn't make any difference at all, but I know for some of you it does. So if you are intending to give, uh, we're very grateful for those who've given so generously already. Five days out, we're less than 50%, just under 50% of what our goal was. And I don't say that for any other reason except to, except to say this. We're expecting a great miracle in the next five days. <laughs> Truly. However... If it is significant for you, in other words, you do require a tax deduction, then we need to have your gift before the 30th. Does that make sense? If, we, if you do it on the 30th, we won't get it till the 2nd or 3rd because the bank takes time. And then because of accounting rules and integrity, we have to recede it into next financial year. Does that make sense? So if you're intending to give, then please do it um, before the 30th. I heard recently of a grandson who said to his grandfather, Pop, I just want to know, after 50 years with Grandma, what's the secret of your relationship? After 50 years, you're still calling her sweetheart, honey, darling. Grandpa, what's your secret? He pulled the boy aside and he said, Son, I forgot a name five years ago, and I'm too scared to ask. <laughs> Proverbs 17.22 says, A merry heart does good like a medicine. 
Some of you needed a little medicine this morning. And I read just this week that uh, when we laugh, the brain uh, uh, releases or something releases endorphins and serotonin and dopamine. And uh, so I get this right because I'm not a medical person. Dopamine enhances learning, motivation and attention. And serotonin is a powerful antidepressant. So I want you to be motivated. I want you to learn and not be depressed while I'm speaking this morning. So who's had enough serotonin and dopamine? No one. Oh, well, I can keep going then. They, we prayed out the back, and I love the way the Lord does this. He's tied it all together, even with the songs this morning. Thank you, worship team. But they did pray that I wouldn't bring a fire and brimstone message. So we better deal with that and see what else the Lord has for us. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the honour and privilege of bringing your word this morning. Thank you, Lord, that we as your people get the privilege of coming to this place week after week and sitting under the sound of your word under the sound of inspired, anointed worship. So, Lord, we we don't want to go through the motions. We want to hear from heaven this morning. And we want our lives to be changed, to be more like Jesus as we leave than when we arrived. And we ask that in your precious name. Amen. So the title of my message this morning for those who like to take notes, is fearless or fearless. Both titles will work for you, as we will see. And it's become evident to me, post-COVID, and I understand there's still pockets of COVID around, but we're no longer locked up in our homes and we're, we're, to a large extent, allowed to get out and about again, are we not? That post-COVID, we have yet another pandemic that's gripped so many of us, sadly also the church and God's people, and that is the pandemic of fear, some of which is related to COVID, but some of it is just related to life circumstances. But in our experience, there's hardly a week that goes by that we don't minister to someone at the healing rooms who's struggling with fear or the physiological Um, side effects of fear, be they anxiety, depression, isolation, loneliness, having a what-if mentality. And we see it every day. So my goal this morning is to remind us about what the Bible has to say about fear and indeed what we can do about it. Because I'm not here to give you a whole lot of information. Who comes to church for a lecture? I don't. I come to be changed, to to worship God and to be changed into the likeness of Christ. So without personal application, then these words are just words. So I want to give you some clues today, some uh, keys, if you like. And if just one person leaves this building today free of fear, free of the stronghold of fear which I see gripping so many lives these days, although I'm believing for far more than just one person, 
then despite whatever else the Lord has done here this morning, and that is a great deal thus far, then it'll be a worthwhile morning. Amen? I'm sure many of us can relate a story or two in respect of fear. It's fair to say, is it not, that there's healthy fear? In other words, staying away from things that can harm us. Yes? Three of mine are spiders, snakes and sharks. I just choose to stay away from them. I still, uh, and it's okay, I'm perfectly okay, but I still have very vivid memories of a large funnel web spider. I don't know whether it was female or male because I didn't, I wasn't going to look at the time, but it was the size, I was 14 at the time, and it was the size of the back of my hand. And as I was weeding in this gardening job that I had at the time, I put a, a fistful of weeds in the, in the bucket and then looked down to see this large, ugly thing walking its way up my hand. Needless to say, my heart rate went up uh, just a little bit. Even in preparing this message for you today, I was reminded that there should be a healthy fear in us that keeps us away from things that can harm us emotionally or indeed spiritually. And it's sad, it saddens me that in today's society there's very little education on how to stay away from these things. And we seem to be more focused on putting band-aids on or treating the symptoms than getting to the root cause of the actual issue. We now have modern fears that didn't exist when I was a boy. FOMO, fear of missing out. We never had the fear of missing out when I was a boy. But it's a very real thing today. And it's something that perhaps the older generations seem uh, or, or regard as frivolous, but it's a very real thing for our younger people. Is it any wonder we're so overwhelmed with fear and anxiety when there's a steady diet of advertising, pornography, photoshopped images that, that no one can ever attain to, propaganda, doom and gloom, and where is it? We carry it around in our pockets on a smartphone, which is almost an oxymoron. Not to mention being bombarded with the latest gadgets we've got to have. Now, a little confession here, I'm a bit of a gadget man. I like gadgets that can make my life easy, easier. But I don't want to be bombarded with the latest every, you know, oh, I've got to have this, I've got to have that. I've got to have this. But it's here all the time. And time doesn't permit me to go into, and I did some research during the week, but what these things, I, I spoke earlier about laughter, what it does to our brain. What do you think this does to our brain? People, people earn millions and millions of dollars to work out ways to get us more addicted to these devices. Not surprisingly, the Bible has a lot to say about fear. Aren't you glad about that? Contrary, perhaps, to popular thought, the words fear not 
don't appear in the Bible 365 times. That's another one of those Christian myths that we swallow without any discernment. However, it doesn't matter what translation you use, you won't find it 365 times. However, the phrase fear not or do not fear appears over and over again. In all manner of situations, from fighting enemy armies, as we heard earlier on in the service, Adam said to me, now what are you preaching on this morning? I don't want to steal your thunder. (laughs) That's okay. The Lord's tying it all together. Fear not, the battle is the Lord's, Jehaziel the prophet said. It's mentioned in terms of material provision. If we read about uh, in 1 Kings 17 where God said to Elijah, go to Zarephath and there's a widow there that will look after your needs. So Elijah trots off to Zarephath, paraphrasing it, and he meets this woman he said, look, could you give me a drink and a little bit of bread? And again, paraphrasing it, she said, well, basically no, because I've just come out to gather a few sticks and I'm going to go home because I've got a little meagre amount of oil, a little meagre amount of, uh, of meal. I'm going to make a meal and die. <laughs> what a welcome to Zarephath for, for, for Elijah. And he says, fear not, because your oil and your flour won't run out. Listen to it until it rains. In other words, you're going to have provision for the next three and a half years. Hallelujah. They're repeated again, fear not, in relation to sickness and disease. And in fact, death in the case of Jairus' daughter in Mark 5. Jesus is on his way to heal this girl. And the mourners had already come to Jairus and said, don't trouble the teacher anymore, your daughter's dead. Put yourself in the story. Put yourself in the story as the father of this girl. They checked her pulse, she was dead. Jesus ignored them. He just ignored what they said and he said to Jairus, fear not, fear not, only believe. We can take a a lesson from Jesus here. Ignore what's being peddled by the world Ignore what's being peddled by the world and the enemy and look to Jesus. Look to Jesus, what he's saying, what he's doing in the situation. Some of you have heard me say this before, but it bears repeating because I don't know many of you here, not as many as I used to, which is great because that means there's new people here or it means I'm away too often, or both. We have a friend in Sydney, our dear friend in Sydney. When trouble comes, go to the throne before you go to the phone. Adam mentioned it before. What's our first port of call? Panic and and, and stress or let's knock on heaven's door? As disciples of Jesus, I believe we need to do what the teacher says. You see, when you're an apprentice, I, I was never an apprentice. I worked as a tradesman for some of my life to keep our family fed. But I I never went through the apprenticeship street. Does that make sense? So when I was a kid, apprentices, the only thing apprentices did was sweep the floor or go and get the lunches. It's a little bit different now. But as an apprentice, you have to do what the master says. You have to do what the tradesman says. Or in our case, what the master craftsman says. In his name is Jesus. You You learn from the tradesman. You learn from the expert 
and then you implement what he's shown you to do. Yes? If I may use that analogy. The Bible says, the Bible says, he makes everything beautiful in its time. Hallelujah. So no matter the apparent mess or disaster you are facing today, that's his promise for you. He'll make everything beautiful in his time. His time isn't always our time. Don't raise your hand, but how many of you have found that? But his time is perfect. Furthermore, his word says everything. He works everything together for our good, for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Whose dopamine is starting to fade this morning? We could do a whole message on the fear of the Lord. However, I think that's been well and truly covered in our recent Distinct Marker series. I actually had another message prepared for today, but Adam preached that pretty much in its entirety a few weeks ago. Thank you very much, my boy. (laughs) Then last week when David began to speak, I thought, oh no, I'm going back to the drawing board again. But again, look how it's all tied together. Last week we heard about courage, this week we're hearing about fear. Not from a negative point, but I think they're pretty much hand in hand, are they not? How do we overcome fear with courage? And a number of other things that we'll get to in just a moment. And I just want to say at this point, for those who have forgotten, that Adam introduced me as a guest speaker. By definition, they always get more time. Um, Zig Ziglar is, is credited, in my research anyway, as, as coining the phrase, fear is false evidence appearing real. False evidence appearing real. And it's an acrostic that's been used uh, by many others, clearly, yours truly included. Further, the great 19th century preacher, Charles Spurgeon, put it this way, the worst of evils of life are those which do not exist except in our imagination. In other words, if we had no troubles but real troubles, we would have a tenth of our present sorrows. Isn't that a telling statement? In other words, we're often fearful and anxious about those things which are truly false evidence appearing real. Don't raise your hand, but how many of you have noticed, some of you have been on the planet a bit longer than I have, how many of you have noticed that things loom larger in the wee hours of the morning? Or is that just me? We could look at the paralyzing effects of fear on our minds and, along, uh, and our emotions along with the very real physiological effects of fear. But time doesn't permit such a diversion this morning. Having said that, I understand and I appreciate. I understand and appreciate there are people in this room or those watching online this morning who have very real troubles, very real issues with which they are grappling, and not just those in your or my imagination. But if you would allow me, not by way at all of comparison, with an ounce or a gram for those that work in the new units, a gram of pride, or wishing to be condescending in any way, please hear my heart in this. We too have had our share 
of really real troubles. Really real troubles. Including but not limited to family tragedy, suicide, cancer, embezzlement, all but total financial ruin in my early 50s. And having to restart at that age, at 52 or 53, has been no easy task. A period of unemployment that was born out of, in today's parlance, persecution for standing up for my faith in the workplace. I found myself unemployed with four mouths to feed and one on the way in a recession that we had to have, that some of you, it predates some of you, but we had to have it. Not sure why, but we did. Prime Minister said so. On more than one occasion, not knowing where our next meal was coming from. And yet this morning, I feel a song coming on, and yet this morning, the one thing that I can say confidently and in which I can boast is God's great faithfulness. All my life he has been faithful. All my life he has been so, so good. I'm not going to sing. I'm, I'm resisting the urge. As hard as I can. David said, not this David, King David said, I was young and now I'm old and I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his children begging bread. I can say I've seen that too. I'm young, I was young, I'm now older. He's never let us down. We've never had to beg bread. We've not known where it's from whence it would come, but it's always shown up. Hallelujah. Our adversary, the enemy of our souls, Satan or whatever word you want to use, him, use for him only comes to rob, kill and destroy. He doesn't play fair, is oblivious to rules of engagement and he seeks to exploit any weakness in us, usually at the most inconvenient time. And he doesn't blow a whistle saying, coming, ready or not, does he? He comes at the most inopportune, inconvenient times. Notwithstanding, let me remind you of the truth this morning. He has no omni-characteristics. He can't be everywhere at once. So if he's annoying someone up the road, he can't be at your place. He's not all-knowing and he's not all-powerful. He's a created being and he was defeated at Calvary, hallelujah. He knows his end destination and he knows that his time is short and he's trying to do everything he can to prolong that process. But I've read the end of the book and we win. And he ends up in a really nasty place. Further, his co-workers, whom the Bible referred to as demons, have been steadily in decline since Jesus dealt with a a legion of them at Gadara. And we, we read through the New Testament, through the book of Acts, that people were being delivered of demons by God's 
ministers, by people who knew who they were in Christ, but more so who Christ was in them. And that's been happening for thousands of years since. So I think that's a, sort of a law of diminishing returns for those ones. I just want to paint a picture this morning of victory. We don't have to live under this pandemic of fear. We don't have to live under the stronghold of fear. Now, clearly fear, or fairly clear, clearly fear robs us of our peace. But the English word peace is really puny. It's a very poor word for what the Bible has to say about peace. The Old Testament word for peace is, of course, shalom. We know the Hebrew word for peace is shalom, and it has within it everything that we would ever want. Prosperity, health, welfare, well-being, flourishing in every part of our life. How many know that's a much better word than peace? It's not, it's not just the absence of strife. It's so much, so much more. Hallelujah. Soundness, completeness. Well, guess what? The New Testament's got a, a great word as well. Irene. You've probably got to roll the R a bit more than that, but that's... I checked it again this morning. That's basically how the guy on the thing told me to say it. Irene. That's the best Greek I can do. Sorry, Nick. That's the best Greek I can do. National tranquility, peace between individuals, and once again, security, safety, prosperity, and well-being. That's a far better word than peace. Wouldn't you say? New Testament equivalent to shalom. And these two words, I believe, are essential characteristics of God's kingdom. Dare I say, a distinct marker. Jesus offers us an exchange in his word and clearly demonstrated in his life and ministry. I say offers deliberately because I believe it's up to us to appropriate the offer, to appropriate his promises, specifically in this instance in regard to peace. Jesus put it this way, it's a foolish man who hears my words and doesn't put them into practice. Remember building a house on sand? Matthew 7. You see, you simply won't or can't have peace If there's a steady diet of input into here and into here of rubbish that's designed to keep you in a place that Jesus has paid for you not to be. What you feed grows, what you starve dies. It's really that simple, friends, this morning. The Bible says, guard your heart with all diligence. That to me brings to mind a picture of being intentional, having a bit of sweat on our brow because we're actually doing some work. Because you have someone who's doing work to rob you of your peace. His name is Satan. And we have to fight. We're in a war, friends. But we're on the winning side. So this isn't a message putting fear on you. I want you to leave here fearless today. He offers us peace in the storm. Matthew 8, 26 and Matthew 14, 27. On the first occasion, he was asleep in the back of the boat. <laughs> Don't you love that? 
seasoned fishermen are saying, don't you care, we're dying. He's sound asleep in the back of the boat. Why could he sleep in that boat? No storms in his world. No storms in his world. On the second occasion, he came to the disciples in the storm, walking across the water to them. Seasoned fishermen who thought they were going to die, who were familiar with the waters there. It wasn't just a windy day. This was a storm of all storms. And Jesus walks across the water to them. He offers us an exchange of peace for fear. John 14, 23 to 27 says this, if you don't know it. Jesus said, if anyone loves me, he will obey. Everyone say obey. Obey. He will obey my teaching. My Father will love him and we, Father, Son and Holy Spirit, will come to your place and set up up an office at your place. No, it doesn't say that, does it? It says we will come and make our home with him or with her. Just imagine that. The God of the heavens and the earth coming to your place and saying, bringing it over month bag and said, I'm here. You can't kick me out. I've come to stay. I've come to set up residence at your place. And with that comes everything that the kingdom brings. Peace, provision, protection, security, so much more. There's more. What a magnificent promise for us today. We will come and make our home with him. It's one of those if and then statements. If you do this, I will do that. I love that in the Bible. If you do this, I will do that. Easy. I'll do this. He's got to do that. Because he's really good at keeping his word. Guaranteed. It is, however, conditional on our obedience. Remember, if anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. That's the condition on the promise. Then we get the peace. He goes on to promise the Father will send the Holy Spirit to them in the ensuing verses, and then gives them, and by implication, all of us here this morning, I want you to get this today, peace, I leave with you. Irene, I leave with you today. Peace, I give you. What a wonderful gift. What else would you want this morning than than Irene? Maybe that was better, I don't know. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't be afraid. Have no fear. Be fearless, if you like. So let me encourage us all today to invite his world where there are no storms, there's no strife, there's no sickness, there's no lack, into our world, into your world. Only another 10 pages. Wow. Decide to be a warrior. I'm only joking. Decide to be a warrior instead of a warrior. See, there's no middle ground. There's no middle ground. We're either worrying or we're on a place of peace where we're not worrying because we're victorious. We're, we're, we have to be a warrior. Otherwise, we're just sitting ducks for the enemy. Who wants to do that? When we have all of his word at our disposal. I was thinking about this during the week, you know. Um, We have his entire word in umpteen translations on our phones, on our devices, at at our beck and call. 
And there's places in the world that weep over one little shred of the Bible that they've got. And that lasts them for five years. Read about Brother Ewan. Read about some of the persecuted church. And they've got a little sliver out of Zephaniah or somewhere and that's enough to feed them for a, a year. No middle ground. Swap fear for courage. We heard about courage last week. Well, that's easy for you to say. Well, perhaps, but what's the alternative? Stay in a place of fear. Who wants that? Continuing to live under the clutches of fear or choose to renew your mind with the source of courage. His word. His word is a powerful antidote to fear and its relatives. It neutralizes their effects. I pondered this even this morning as I was just reflecting on the message, you know, and I thought, is his word a vaccine? And I, I don't, I'm not trying to be funny, but a vaccine, you know, they say, and vaccines been a dirty word for the last three years. But I figure antidote is the better word. Because the antidote removes the poison. It neutralises the poison. Are you with me? Some of you are. I thought it was good. It, it was better here than out here, perhaps. It's a powerful antidote. It neutralises fear. Making God's word... Here it is. Reamer alert. Heard a story a little while ago of a couple who invited the pastor over for lunch on a Sunday. Not to roast him, just to have him for lunch. <laughs> I'm busy, by the way, this afternoon, so... <laughs> and we'll be away next week, but you feel free to invite us any other time. <laughs> a bit more dopamine. Um, so they invited the pastor over for dinner, for lunch. And they had lunch with him. Off he went. And it was a long time and they thought, oh, it's, we haven't had Adam over. For, it wasn't Adam. We haven't had the pastor over for a while. We better have him over. So 12 months later, they invited him back again. And he walked in the door and they said, well, before we have lunch, we've got to ask you a pretty important question. When you were here last year, we think you stole one of our special spoons. And he said, What? And they said, we think you stole one of ours. It was a family heirloom. And he said, was it the silver one with the big hand? Yes, that's the one. And he said, well, I hid it in your Bible. <laughs> you see, unless his word is applied to our lives on a daily basis, I don't want to be people who the pastor has hidden the silverware in my Bible and we, we think it's been stolen. I don't want to be a person like that. I want to be a person where his word is having an impact on my life every day. The psalmist says, Thy word, old version, thy word have I hid in my heart. Why? So that I would not sin against thee. His word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. If it's on the shelf in the study gathering dust with a spoon inside it, it's not going to be any effect in your life. So how do we become warriors and not warriors? 
Number one, remind yourselves of God's promises constantly, constantly, daily, daily, folks. Are you getting this? Far too many to list here. There are just far too many to list because the Bible's full of them, full of his promises. But I'm going to just give you a few just to whet your appetite to go home and get that Bible off the study shelf. <laughs> Psalm 16:8. I set the Lord always before me. Not distant, I set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. So where's the Lord? Is he at your right hand? Because if he is, the Bible says you won't be shaken. doesn't say that storms won't come, but you just won't be shaken. 2 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5, our weapons are mighty, what? Mighty in God for demolishing strongholds. It goes on to say, take every thought captive. Take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. What are the weapons of our warfare? Well, I'll give you three. Praise, prayer, and his word. The Bible says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything with prayer and thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And then there's a promise that's attached to it. And the God of peace will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. The word there in the, in, the, in the New Testament Greek for guard is a military sentry at the door of your mind, to put it in modern terms with an AK-47, standing outside the door of your mind saying, you're not getting in there, you don't have a pass, you're not authorised to go in there. That's the sort of peace, that's the sort of irene, that's the sort of protection that his word and his spirit affords us. And let me say to you this morning from personal experience, if you have experienced, not just read about, but experienced the peace which passes understanding, I'm here to tell you this morning that it's as real as the seats on which you are seated today. It's tangible. It's not an ethereal, biblical, theological concept. It's real. Trust me, it's real. And it's really wonderful. Romans 8.31, if God is for me, then who can be against me? Hallelujah. Psalm 34, we had it during the week at healing rooms. Psalm 34, 4 to 7, one of my favourite psalms. And yes, 2 Chronicles 20 is one of my favourite passages as well. Like son, like father. I sought the Lord and he answered me, Psalm 34. And he delivered me from only my major fears. No, he delivered me from all, all my fears. I looked up what all is in the, in the Hebrew and it means all. Goes on, to him, goes on to say, those who look to him are radiant. Who's radiant this morning? Those who are looking to him. Their faces are never covered with shame. Here it is, folks. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him. Hallelujah. That's good news this morning, folks. But there's a motivation to get back to the fear of the Lord, is it not? Because if we fear the Lord, the angel of the Lord's going to encamp around us. Message for another day. If you've got contacts on your phone, you know, you keep a list. Some of you might even have, some of that are old school might have a teledex. Or just a list. But here's a contact for you. Psalm 5015. It's God's phone number. Put it in your contacts. Call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you. Put that up at the top of your contacts. Isaiah 41.10. So do not fear, 
for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Hallelujah. Finally, final verse, not finally. God is our refuge and strength. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, therefore, I will not fear. Even though the mountains fall into the sea, the wheels are falling off everything, because God is my refuge and strength, I will not fear. But they have to be part of your life, not in a book on a shelf. They've got to be applied and appropriated. Sorry about this next one. Being a warrior doesn't mean that you float in an Egyptian river called the Nile. Sorry. 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 It does, however, it does, I just had to wake some of you up. It does, however, mean that you choose to deny any circumstance, however messy it looks, the right or the privilege to exalt itself above the name and the power of Jesus. That is a choice. This takes courage, time and effort. Jesus said he was hungry. He walked into town and here's a fig tree. He was hungry and it had leaves on it so the figs should have been there. No figs, you won't bear fruit anymore. From the roots up. He goes on to say, when the disciples said, hey boss, how did you do that? He said, if you have faith and don't doubt, you can not only do to the fig tree what was done, but you can say to the mountain, be removed into the sea. If you have faith and don't doubt. If you have faith and don't doubt. It's not a complicated sentence. We just have to choose not to doubt. And it's perfectly legal to say, I believe, but help my unbelief. We saw what happened to the, 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 the son of the father at the Mount of Transfiguration who said, when Jesus said anything is possible for him who believes, he said, well, I believe, but help my unbelief. The boy was delivered. And just while it popped into my head, it was mentioned right at the end of the prayer meeting this morning about you know, having our prayers... Um, Write, if you like, whatever. I can't give you the context because I don't remember exactly. But here it is. If you read David's prayers, he didn't sanitise his prayers and put them in really nice. Smash their teeth, O God. Fill their mouths full of gravel. How much longer do I have to... Right? He just told it like it was. Read some of the, the prophets, you know. Strike them with blindness. Now, I'm not saying we should say that but we don't what i'm saying folks is we don't god will hear our prayers no matter how good the grammar is just the, he hears the cry of our heart you know jesus help me he he understands that he understands that we don't have to have them all, oh no you know i heard so and so pray and they pray such eloquent prayers well good on them but he, he, he responds to the cry of a heart. Throw that in for nothing. Speak to the mountains. Tell them to be removed into the sea. That's what Jesus told us to do. It's not me telling you, it's Jesus. He told his disciples and by implication 
you and I today. Till you see them shift. King David said, King David said, when I'm afraid, I will trust in you. Psalm 56.3. Another David reminded us last week. So I'm going to reuse it if that's okay. I will take refuge in the shadow of your wings until, until this disaster has passed. Psalm 57.1. Number two, choose to have his word speak more loudly than any other voice vying for your attention. Putting it simply and yet profoundly and at the risk of possible repetition. I believe his word and its daily application in our lives holds the key to overcoming and defeating this wicked enemy of fear. There is and was no fear in Jesus' world. Perfect love, the Bible says, drives out all fear. So let me ask you this morning, is his love perfect? Some of you think so. Is his love perfect? Well, if so, then it must have its way and its effect in our lives. Would you not agree? If we're under a stronghold of fear, then clearly there are some areas or recesses of our lives that are not under the lordship of Jesus. There's no condemnation in that, it's just a fact. Because if he's not lord of all, he's not lord at all. He has to have lordship over every area. Number three, be prepared prepared to contend for your freedom from fear's grip. Don't sit back passively and allow fear to dominate your life. Get some people of faith around you who will intercede for you. You see, if you're sick, if you have sickness in your body, come next Sunday night, we're going to deal with that then. If you have sickness in your body, you don't... Well, let me personalise it. If I have sickness in my body, and hear this in the spirit that is given... I don't want people coming to pray for me who'll say, who'll pray these sorts of prayers. Oh God, please help Martin cope with this illness. Please help him weather this storm. Please allow him to manage his illness. I want people who are going to grab hold of heaven and pull it to earth and, and command this illness to go in Jesus' name. Someone who's got anointing for seeing a breakthrough in people's lives. They don't have to yell and scream or carry on, but I want people to pray for me who've got faith in their heart. Similarly, with fear, I don't want people coming to pray for me, oh Lord, give him peace in the midst of this fear. I want people to cast that wicked thing out. And if it's a stronghold of fear that's come in via a demonic infestation, I want someone who knows how to deliver people from demons to come and deal with that rotten thing. And then I've got to go and sin no more if that's what's required. Are you with me this morning? In other words, we have personal responsibility. There's no silver bullet magic prayer here. We've got to take responsibility for our lives. But I want people who can come around me and pray with faith in their heart to see fear gone, to see sickness gone. Let's, let's, let's turn the coin over the other side. If I'm having financial difficulty, I don't want to get advice from someone who's been bankrupt three times. 
I want to get advice from someone who's got skills in that area. That's just a natural thing. So why would I entrust my spiritual life to someone who has no experience or no faith to deal with the issue that is facing me at the moment? Does that make sense? So don't sit back passively and allow fear to dominate your life. I've mentioned before, maybe I did, maybe I didn't. I believe there's a grace this morning. Look at that, three minutes to go. How about that? We're just landing the plane right on time. I believe there's a grace this morning to, for people to come and have this wicked stronghold of fear broken off your life. So here's what we're going to do. I'm, my message is finished. Hallelujah, some of you are saying. So here's what we're going to do. In a crowd this size, many of whom, as I said before, I don't know, the first step is to make sure that you have the Prince of Peace in your life. So if you don't know Jesus this morning, I just want everybody to close your eyes and bow your head, as we do in church. If you don't know Jesus, if you haven't invited him into your life this morning, I'm going to give you an opportunity to just raise your hand and I'm going to pray for you where you are and then we're going to move on and deal with this stronghold of fear. So if that's you this morning, if you have never surrendered your life to Jesus and you want to do that this morning, not going to embarrass you in any way, I just ask you to slip up your hand and I'm going to pray for you where you are. Because I want to make sure, I want to make sure that as many as possible in here have the peace of the Prince of Peace residing in your heart. Okay. Father, I thank you for that one hand that I saw. And I pray, Lord, that your presence would be real in his life. I pray, Father, that there would be an encounter today with the risen Jesus. Out of darkness into your marvellous light. And I thank you for it in, in your precious name. And I'll speak to you after the service. So here's what we're going to do. Something a little different. What I'm going to do is, is ask you to, in a moment, to stand. And anyone who wants to be free of uh, this, and you know who you are, because you, you're gripped with it, there's no condemnation here at all. But here it is, folks. This is really critical. This is the key point. I don't want, the, I don't want you to let the fear of man stop you from coming and receiving. Oh, what will people think? Who cares what they think? If you've come here with a stronghold of fear and you can leave without it, who cares what people think? You know, I had to get over the fear of man very early on in my time in Canberra. And, and there's no one here like this now, but when I first started to preach in our church in Canberra, there were some people who sat over here and at the end of the message I felt like they were holding up a scorecard. And there was people who'd sit there like this and just glare at me. Oh, that's not right, you know. And I, 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 I held back because, what? Because of the, oh, I better not say that. I might offend them or I might. I had to get over myself. You know, fear of man robs us of so much. So if you have a stronghold of fear and you want to be free of it this morning or you want to take one giant step towards being free of it this morning because there'll be some things for you to do as well. You'll have to go home and get into the word and apply what I've taught you this morning and more, 
then I want to ask you to stand and just come to the front, right across here. No music, no nothing. We're just going to invite you to come and I'm going to get the prayer team, the pastors, my wife to come and pray for you. Don't let the fear of man stop you because you'll go home ripped off. So this morning, if that's you, I want you to come and just stand across the front and we're going to come and pray for you. If no one comes, I'm just going to pray. We'll close the service and go and have a sausage. That's fine. There you are. Only takes one. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Because this is a robber. This, this wicked thing is a robber. And it has no place in our lives. Thank you, Lord. There's an anointing. There's a, a grace here, I believe. The Lord showed me through the week. There's a grace here. And I've had so many confirmations this week. So many confirmations that this is what he wanted to do. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that you came to set captives free. Thank you, Lord. So, we're going to pray. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to pray a general prayer just to dismiss. Is that okay? Just to close the service. I know some of you have got to go. That's fine. And then we're going to spend some time ministering to these people and getting rid of this wicked squatter of fear. So, Father, thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for all you've done here today, Holy Spirit, and will do in the next few moments. I bless each of these people, Father, with your incredible love. With your incredible love. With your enabling power, Jesus, your wonderful grace. And with your indwelling presence, Holy Spirit. Thank you that as the comforter and the counsellor, you're with us wherever we go. Each and every step of each and every day. So I bless you to go... In the, in the Lord and in the power of his might today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.